Hello, listeners. Are you tired of having Alien Minute episodes only on weekdays? Are your Saturday mornings devoid of meaning without that trusty daily podcast popping up in your feed? Well, what if we told you there was a way to remedy your woes? All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash alien minute and subscribe to get a supplemental episode of your favorite daily podcast. You'll hear us talk about what movies we've been watching, answer listener emails, and talk about alien-related topics that didn't make it on the show. You'll also be able to play along with the Coppola Quadfecta. Don't know what that is? Well, then come on over to patreon.com forward slash alien minute, subscribe, listen to the weekly episode, and find out. Again, patreon.com forward slash alien minute. We'll see you on Saturdays. Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 41, which begins with Parker looking for some acid and ends with Brett saying, he must be using it for blood. That's right. <laughs> and it's the start of a new week, which means we have a new guest who you just heard laughing. Um, it's Crystal Beth, comedian podcaster Crystal Beth. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is excellent. Well, we're just going to give you a chance to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and also tell us about the first time you saw Alien and what kind of effect it had on you. Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll start with the fun stuff first. Uh, I'm Crystal Beth, and I do a lot of podcasting. I've been on Star Wars Minute, Back to the Future Minute, now Alien Minute, thank goodness. And I host a video game podcast through Cave Comedy Radio called Unlimited Lives, we record every Thursday at 5.15. We stream live on Twitch, and then it comes out on iTunes. Fun. We try to cater to the everyman, so people that are new to video games, experts, we give away prizes. It's super fun. Great. <laughs> and the first time I saw Alien, I wasn't supposed to be watching scary movies yet, which added to the scariness of it. And I was watching it alone at my mom's when I was supposed to be... Well, I, I was babysitting. I was babysitting. But... They were in bed, and I had, I saw it on HBO, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to watch this. And I started watching it, and it was terrifying. I was so scared. I was probably maybe 14. No, that's a lie. 12. I was 12, and I, it was so slow and jumpy, and, oh, God, I loved it. And then as I got older watching it, I started, and I went to film school, I started appreciating it for all its subtleties and how it didn't have to explain anything and it was still terrifying and the alien was scary and it, you didn't see it that much and that was even more scary and ugh, I love it. And uh, did you see, is this the first of the alien franchise that you saw? Yes. Oh good, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I did, I was the other way around, I saw aliens first and I think that's true of a lot of people my generation. Yeah, but, uh, that's cool that you got to start from the beginning. So you got the surprises. Yeah, it was kind of on purpose because I think at that point, Aliens 2, I think it already come out. I'm trying to think of how old I am now, and it's terrifying. Um, and I try to do things as in order as I can. Like if I find out a book, a movie's coming out that was a book, I will read the book first. So I made a point to, which is why I had to sneak it into my mom's house through the television. Well, when you had these minutes assigned to you, was that what was that experience like, dropping into it 41 minutes in and looking at it one minute at a time? Well, 
usually in the the minute podcasts, I usually pick my minutes. So I'll have an idea going in because I'll be like, oh, that's my favorite part of the movie. I want to I want to do those minutes. This one, you guys were like, oh, these minutes are free. And I was like, cool, I'll pick it up. And I started watching them and I was like, ooh, this is the part of the movie that I can first remember the like the pe- part that always stuck out was in minute 41 when all the little creature's blood starts going through the hole. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is so much fun that these are my minutes. And then watching it minute by minute and watching it over and over again, you pick up on so much little stuff that you just, I didn't even realize the subtleties in Brett that I think are hilarious. <laughs> I always laughed at, but these few minutes, I'm just like, this guy's so funny. Yeah, I, I'm a big Brett fan. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as these minutes go on. But I think Brett, Brett's the secret MVP of the crew to me, but yeah. most, most people don't agree. <laughs> but we'll oh, just, I love him. I think yeah. he's just such a real dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what he's there for. The casting, yeah. casting-wise, yeah. You, want, you want just a real uh, down-home guy in, in your space movie, you get Harry Dean Stanton for sure. Yep. So he doesn't even, I don't think he even has to throw too much into the performance. He's just, his presence is so funny and so homey. And yeah, he's great. And I think we're a little ahead of him all the time. He's, he's a little slow. So we yeah. feel maybe a little superior to him. Yeah. You know? I'm so smart. I know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I insist that he's very smart in his own way, but yeah. we don't really see it because we don't see the details of his engineering brilliance all that often. But I have this right. argument that he's a savant, that he's he's the brilliant engineer that keeps that ship together. But in yep. other in, in social way, he doesn't pick up on the social cues that well. Basically. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking of a bunch of different things to say, but I don't want to go into minutes after mine. But sure. I'm like, all of the different things at the end of the movie or, or the end of his part of the movie where I'm oh. like, what? Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> he's, he's definitely the why are you doing that guy in this horror movie, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, if we start tracking through that minute, we start with everybody jumping down the the ladder like Batman sliding down the bat pole. Right. And yeah. starting to look through the ship. What I think is really interesting is Parker, Dallas, Ripley move into the next room. They're looking around, and it's actually a sound cue that takes us to the to the shot of the acid. We don't really yeah. see yeah. anything. Yeah, I had that in my notes, too, that it's a real sharp, like sizzling hiss that directs yeah. them to where the acid is coming through and it's nice it's nice in the sound mix too because it leads uh, it leads us to where it is as well but exactly um, it makes you feel like you're doing it on your own too like you're you are finding it with them which i think adds to the suspense for everything and they get a lot of mileage out of that insert shot you know one beautiful oh. insert shot you can stick a pin in it you can do all yeah. sorts of stuff it's smoking it's sizzling and it's interesting and they go back to that insert shot multiple times, but it propels the story. Every time you go back to it, it's followed up by another action or it precedes another action that, you know, that cues us. So it's a really, you know, it's a good lesson on how much mileage you can get out of an insert shot. Yeah, and there's no wasted time. It's just everything is the perfect amount of time in that. Every cut is right where I'd want it to be, where you don't, it's not lingering on something a second longer and... One thing about it from a personal point of view, I don't understand floor plans of houses. So the fact that they were able to like follow the blood down the ship 
and see it every time. I'd be like in my house, like in my basement, like where does so my kitchen's over there, <laughs> my bathroom's over here, and trying to figure out where I was. And they were just, which shows how much they know their ship too, yeah. which I liked as a character standpoint. Yeah, that's that's funny because I. I grew up in my parents' basement. My bedroom, no matter what house we lived in, always seemed to be in the basement. Uh-huh. And so then when I was a teenager and I was doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing, smoking things I wasn't supposed to be smoking in the basement, <laughs> I would always be listening for the footsteps and trying to figure out where my parents were upstairs. And I never could figure it out either. It's like, for some reason, orienting yourself to the floor plan of, of a house from the basement is difficult and they don't have that easy a time with it here either. It's uh, Yeah, they have, to, like, they have tunnels and hallways and vents and ladders and stairs and and they can find it so fast and i i would not i would be like wait till it burns a big enough hole that i can jump through and then i can find everything well i was going to say something too about the the damage that this acid caused so you're the assumption you know that i have and i'm sure most people that this a a spaceship is going to have some really good i mean this alloy whatever metal this thing is made of it says a lot to have have that much damage and it's an interesting bit cut from the script. In Walter Hill's script, there's a line where Parker says, it must have been the asbestos that stopped it. Did you see that? <laughs> Which I think is hilarious for That's a couple awesome. of reasons. One, I they have asbestos in the future. <laughs> that seems like a terrible <laughs> idea. But I guess in 1979, they didn't quite know the dangers yet. But two, it's better to not have that. I, it, to me, it's like, well, the sturdiness of the ship itself. That's at some point this had to have stopped. I don't. Uh, but the acid still doing that much damage gives it a lot of. There's a sense of danger there and a sense of menace with that acid blood. That's yeah. It's pretty crazy. But. Even just little cues like "Don't get under it. Don't get any of it on your arm." That's it's so existential. It's right in the moment, which is what this whole movie does. Its entire strategy is to stay in the moment. Don't talk about what just happened. Don't talk about what's going to happen. Just be mm-hmm. there. And as an audience member, all we can do is just hold on for the ride. It's perfect. And it's such a, a very improv rule, too, where it's show, don't tell, where everything that you need to know is happening on the screen right in front of you without any extra words or exposition or any nonsense that takes me personally out of a story. Because I know that if something crazy happens, I'm like, stop, don't touch it. Don't go there. Eh, don't go in there, even when I'm watching a movie. So when these guys are saying the dialogue that I'm saying in my head, it's nice. I like it. Well, that being said, though, what do we make of this, to jump to the end of the minute, what do we make of this line from Brett that he throws in about, well, he must be using it for blood. <laughs> do, we, do we need all that? Do we need that information? I have written down... <laughs> Molecular acid. They must be using it for blood. Yep. Time to go to the blood store and pick up the blood you want today. Ooh, molecular acid. This will do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of an odd. It, it actually seems to me like a little on the nose. Like, I don't know if we need to know well, what Parker says, but I guess that's in the next minute about it being uh, a wonderful defense, defense mechanism. That's, yeah. a, that's interesting. Um, we could probably infer that ourselves, but... That is a little bit of information, whether we need to know that it's his blood or not. I mean, it could very well just be his defense mechanism. Yeah. Wait, I thought you said Brett was a savant. Uh, I said about engineering. Oh, oh, so he's not a biologist. Engineering only. There you go. Proves your theory. 
Yeah, but, you know, him saying this out loud also plays towards his lack of social grace. He did, he He's often saying things he doesn't need to say, so yeah. that's part of his character. So I, I'm saying that that line, it's fine because it gives us a little Brett character. Yeah. He says it's obvious just, things all the time. It's uh, I think it's a perfect line. It makes me laugh every time. And it's a subtle thing, too, where you're not going to laugh at it the first time you watch it, but it's like watching Star Wars, and when you get to when Luke goes, but I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. It's not funny the first time you hear it, but the hundredth <laughs> time you say it exactly like that, and it's the greatest line of the movie. But they're like, they must be using it for blood. It's a very, like, suspicious, like, where'd they get that blood? Where'd she pick it up? What are they doing with it? To go back to that insert one last time, I just love the th- movie magic of stick the pen in, cut to somebody else, cut mm-hmm. back to the insert, pull the pen out, and it's smoking, and mm-hmm. it's totally yeah. convincing, right? There's no need to do it all in one or CGI it or anything. It's just it carries the story right ahead. Yeah. And then, of course, we're going to, in the next minute, get a joke out of that as well. Yeah. Right. Another Brett thing I like is when he asks Brett for his pen, and he just, like, stares at him and, like, looks around, and he's like, your pen, and he's like, oh, and like takes out of his shirt. He's like, oh, right, a pen. Yeah, Dallas like, yells at him. He's like, come on, yeah. come on. Is Dallas losing his cool? As these minutes go on uh, this week, um, yeah, Dallas is, he's constantly coming unraveled little bits at a time. I yeah. think the further he gets away from cap, being captain of the ship as a mining vessel, the further he gets into this situation, this fantastical situation of aliens and acid blood and face huggers the more he starts to unravel i think that he he maybe he's a neat and orderly guy maybe he, he the routine of being the captain everything in its place he's 100 percent cool even when they're landing the ship and there's problems landing the ship because it's in the context of being captain of the ship he can deal with it but as soon as these extra things come in he starts to unravel and we'll see yeah. that a lot more as the minutes go on here i think but um, yeah, I definitely think you're right, Mitch, about that. I want to encourage everybody to check out the both drafts of the script, the Walter Hill script and the Dan O'Bannon script, which are both on the Facebook page. Um, in particular, on page 4041 of the script in the Walter Hill version, where we see this scene taking place, it's Ash who's doing all the talking, all the work, and it's not Dallas. And I just sort of put it out there to anybody who wants to give us a theory about why that change made? Why did they decide that even though this is in Ash's scientific realm, that Dallas becomes the one who's talking about molecular acid and, and everything else? That's so interesting. I guess I never really thought about it. I don't know. Maybe to give Dallas something to do. <laughs> well, I almost see it the opposite, not the opposite in terms of Dallas, but Ash has been somewhat, uh, he, he doesn't take a lot of action thus far in the movie. He's, he does what he's got to do. I mean, other than going to the door and opening the door, he doesn't seem to respond jerk. the same way uh, as everyone else. And I think that that maybe having him jump down ladderways and running around I maybe would have kind of undermined what they've been building as a character thus far. But that's just a guess. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not, I, I've never, until today, Mitch and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. I hadn't given it any thought either. So Well, yeah, it yeah. feels very natural. But I just think it's interesting yeah. when you go back and look at the initial text that yeah. was the choice that was made then. This becomes the choice that happens when they move into production, and it's a Jeff. It's a change. So it would be good to see what people think 
about that. Yeah. I like it. It always made sense to me because I was like, oh, he's up doing his sciencey stuff. He's got to go be a scientist. And then just the only time you see him move quickly is when he runs in place for two seconds right before they leave to <laughs> explore the ship. Yeah. Well, I guess since we're on this, it's kind of in the next minute, but since we're on the subject, there is the matter of in the script, um, in the Alien Illustrated story, which I don't think we brought up yet. Um, for listeners out there, Heavy Metal Magazine did uh, produced a comic book version of the movie. It's fantastic. You should check it out. Uh, it's It plays a lot more off of the script than it does the movie. Um, a lot of things are the same, but there's a lot of things in the, the, in the script that aren't in the movie that are in the comic book. And one of the things is that Ripley asks immediately after, you know, they figure out this acid blood situation about Kane and whether he got any on him, any of that acid on him, which I think is an interesting question. It's not necessary in the movie. I think it's a good thing to cut, but that might be what Ash is doing. That might be why Ash is still, he's got to check on the patient after all this has gone down because acid blood just splattered all over the place. You know, that could be an answer to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, there's other things about that that we could bring up in the next minute. Well, that's all I have. So if we want to move on to the next minute, anybody else have anything? No, I that, I think we went through everything I wanted to say. Well, that brings us to the end of minute number 41 then. Um, tune in tomorrow for minute number 42. Crystal, you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yes, please. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, I am the Crystal Beth. And if you want to follow me on Twitch, where I play lots of video games, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash Ms. Sparkle Diamond. Ms. M.S. Sparkle Diamond. We'll give a little shout out, as we do every so often, uh, to the Star Wars Minute, the Mothership podcast, to uh, loaned us out the format to cover Alien and Minute by Minute. We'll also just go ahead and add Back to the Future Minute, Indiana Jones Minute, Jaws Minute, the two-minute Terminator, huh. and I'm probably forgetting some. But, Wrath uh, of Khan. Wrath of Khan. How could I forget Wrath of Khan minutes? Right? <laughs> hey, there's our Star Trek reference for this episode. People are probably really tired of me saying this, but I, I like to tell the guests that we mentioned Star Trek a lot on this show, just so you know. So sometimes we'll laugh at a Star Trek res- reference, and that's that's why, because it's a regular thing. All right, well, you can find us at, at AlienMinute.com. Uh, you can also follow us at AlienMinutePod on Twitter. We're also on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and Google Play, and you can leave us reviews there. That would be much appreciated. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow for minute number 42.